Dear listeners, welcome to Faces of Digital Health, a podcast about digital health and how healthcare systems adopt technology with me, Tiasha Zaitz. Despite the fact that we live in a digital age where we can seamlessly communicate and share information across the world, data sharing in healthcare is still a common frustration for patients and clinicians. Without information, Patients need to repeat their medical history when in contact with different healthcare providers, and clinicians need more time to make decisions than necessary because they don't have access to patient data. In this episode, you'll hear about a good practice in health data sharing from London, more specifically, the Urgent Care Plan Program, which is a part of the One London portfolio. One London is a project that supports a vision of joined-up health and care. It's a pan-London collaboration between leaders from the five integrated care systems in the UK capital. London's healthcare system is very complex. It covers a population of 10 million people and is connecting 35 NHS trusts and almost 1,400 GP practices. As part of the One London portfolio, the Urgent Care Plan program led the design and implementation of a new digital care planning solution in 2021. This solution enables Londoners to have their care and support wishes digitally shared with healthcare professionals across the capital. By connecting all care levels, clinicians can now easily access urgent care plans to guide them in the care they provide to patients based on patients' individual preferences. You will hear more about what are urgent care plans, why they matter and more from Dr. Phil Koshen, GP in Northeast London and the Chief Clinical Safety Officer for London and Dr. Katrine Buxton, Consultant in Palliative Care Medicine for Imperial College Healthcare NHS Trust and the Clinical Director for Palliative and End-of-Life Care Strategic Clinical Network for London. They explained what the Joint Urgent Care Plan means for patients and healthcare providers in London. Before we begin, if you haven't yet, do subscribe to our newsletter, find the link in the show notes. It's published only on a monthly basis and consolidates information covered on the podcast. So even if you're not a regular listener of the show, this might be your source of insight about healthcare digitalization practices on the global level. Now to Phil and Catherine and our discussion about the digitizing care planning, which we started with a short debate about the healthcare structure in the UK. Phil, Catherine, welcome to this discussion and thank you for taking the time to explain a little bit more about the One London Project and the Urgent Care Planning, which was implemented a few months ago, end of July. For starters, Phil, UK has a tax-based public healthcare system, which consists of social care provided and funded by local authorities. GPs that are actually independent contractors that are incorporated in the NHS and then the NHS Trust. So that's a very rough description of the NHS, which is quite complex. So it's not just this one 
simple entity as uh, many can imagine. But for starters, for a brief understanding, can you maybe explain the GP perspective of how patient data management looks like? How do you get the information about patients' visits in healthcare if they visit other providers? Historically, we've had received letters from the hospital where patients have been seen in the hospital. Letters been sent to the GP practice, and that's been added to their record. Increasingly, those letters are now sent electronically, at least we're removing the paper, but it's still stored as a document. And over recent years, we've had the advent of a shared record where the, those letters can be posted or put on the shared record so that they're more easily available. So there is still quite a bit of fragmentation yeah, between the GPs and other parts of the system. But increasingly, we are sharing more information. Is more information shared in the actual digital form? Are we talking about just PDFs or actual structured data? A lot of it is still in a document, but that document is electronic. Yeah, so mm-hmm. yeah, rather than having a paper copy and scanning it in, we're getting a, an electronic document. Very little of it is coming across as structured data. Yeah, so it's largely free text-based. NHS has a long-term plan to fully digitize health and care organizations by 2024. That's actually quite soon. With the vision to create the better data fluidity between the health and social care system. And One London is a project that caters to the needs of 10 million people in order to create that data flow through the shared care record. Now, we mentioned earlier that one part, so the urgent care planning, has been implemented in July. But if we step back for a second, Catherine, can we explain what exactly is an urgent care plan? So there are various different types of plans and there are slightly different languages used. But as healthcare professionals, I think we have a general understanding of an urgent care plan being a plan that's made in conjunction between healthcare professionals, patients, families, when a person is much more likely to present to the urgent care services. So it helps share information to those urgent care services. And so that would include the London Ambulance Service, for instance, but also maybe a team within an emergency department at the hospital who may have never met that person before. And it would share information about their care plan or the best way to treat them. So very often those patients are in the end of life phase because they, we know that end-of-life patients often present more frequently. But an urgent care plan is equally applicable to a child with complex, difficult epilepsy, for instance, where we might share information about their medical management just to ensure that whoever's on receiving them and delivering their care is fully up to date with the care that's happened before. So the urgent care plan allows us to do that in a way that we can share across the entire geography of London, which is a quite unique system for doing that. And what is included in the urgent care plan? What does the patient need to specify? So I think within the urgent care plan at the moment, we have various sections. We have sections for just who the patient is, some of their demographic information. And then we have some really important sections about patient wishes or characteristics that are particular to that individual person. Anything really special that help another healthcare professional who's never met that person before might need to know to be able to treat them the most effectively. It could include things about language barriers, for instance, if someone wasn't particularly English, wasn't their first language. It could be about 
characteristics. Say they had a dementia illness, it could be about things that that cause them distress, so bright lights or loud noises. Again, very relevant to, to patients with learning difficulties sometimes or autism. So it includes lots of things that might be useful around that. And then it includes sections as well around more medical information. So there is a treatment section where you could detail information about an epilepsy treatment plan and what what has worked well in the past. And then it also includes at the moment as well areas that are much more in the end of life spectrum. So things around um, CPR and treatment escalation decisions and patient wishes in the light of maybe a poor prognosis. So whether someone wishes to be at home at the end of their life or in an alternative care setting, just so that someone who's ever met this person before is really aware of the detailed conversations and plans that have been put in place so far. And when in the healthcare journey are patients introduced to urgent care plan? Is this for chronic patients or for patients that have a clear deteriorating prognosis? When do these discussions take place and who starts them? Is it the specialist or is it the GP? So I think if we're thinking very much about an urgent care plan as opposed to an end-of-life care plan, and I think that it's really important to distinguish the difference between the two. So if we use the example of a child with hard-to-manage epilepsy, then it may be our paediatric colleagues who are managing that person, that child's care, who would be able to discuss with the child if they were able, but with the family members to be able to write that care and write that decision-making. And it could be done at any point, really, I think, when the complexity or the challenges around their care are recognised. If it's more someone living with a long-term condition, anyone absolutely can make decisions or share wishes about what they may or may not want in the future in terms of the care provided. Some people have really clear wishes about what either they do wish to happen or don't wish to happen. And it's really important that we as healthcare professionals know that and aware of that even if it's just to open the conversation again when they present to the emergency services, it's easy then to say, oh, I can see you have an urgent care plan. Can we have a little bit more of a discussion around some of those things? And it just eases those barriers or eases that conversation a little bit more. So how much are urgent care plans normalised among patients? Are patients also the ones that uh, come to doctors to say, I want to write up an urgent uh, care plan? So I think it's a little bit of both. Patients and their families are absolutely able to approach any healthcare professional. Ordinarily, that may well be the GP, if that's the person they have the closest relationship with. But equally, it could be a secondary care sort of hospital consultant or even a specialist nurse, whether that be palliative care, but also whether it be cardiology or respiratory. One of the senior people who has been leading their care. And yes, patients are very able to broach those conversations and to ask about a record. But we would also hope that healthcare professionals as well, if we were recognising that we thought advanced care planning and those sort of conversations about what's important for your future health, if we felt it was important to raise those conversations, then absolutely as part of our normal practice, we would definitely be doing that and encouraging people to start those conversations. I mentioned in the beginning that now urgent care planning is uh, 
kind of connected across care settings under the One London project. So can we just clarify what exactly is different now compared to before? So how are urgent care plans managed even a year ago compared to now? And you can both present your points of view because, Phil, you are working on the GP side. Catherine, you're in the palliative care setting. So what kind of changes do you see that are present now? To which extent has the repetition of information been eliminated or just the one that from the healthcare providers, does this patient in front of me have an urgent care plan or not? So I think what the urgent care plan system has given us over the last few months is definite increased visibility, I think, because of the digital integration, particularly with the GP systems, but also with the London care records or the HIEs around London for the acute hospitals as well. We now have access directly to the urgent care plan system, whereas before there was often barriers with passwords and various things. And so it wasn't always easily accessible to be able to view a care plan, whereas now absolutely a lot of those barriers are starting to be broken down and and those wishes and care plans are much more visible to the providers across London. From my perspective, we did have a previous end-of-life care plan, and that that was focused largely on end-of-life. So I think what we've got now is a platform that allows us to focus more on a wider spectrum of urgent care plans, and then in the future, build other care plans that allow us to become more specialised in different areas. For example, frailty, mental health, diabetes are ones that, that have been considered. So I think that's, for me, the big step. And also we're doing less duplication of data. We've now got the technology that allows data to be stored in, say, the GP system and transferred over to the urgent care plan and vice versa. So those are the big differences over what we had a year ago. If you compare what we had a few years ago before we had any care planning, then the systems were completely disconnected and it was very difficult to share any information. As Phil said, if you're thinking back many years, the UCP is unique in being a system that's accessible across London by all healthcare professionals from a variety of different services, whether they be community-focused hospice, hospitals, urgent care, ambulance services, out-of-hours GPs. And what we know from London is that different hospitals and everyone's on different systems and there's no connection, no integration, as Phil said. And so, you know, that being able to see the urgent care plan and have everything in a space where all healthcare professionals can actually view it and be able to manage the patient in line with their wishes is just a huge step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've got lots more wishes and we want to make it bigger and better, which we're obviously absolutely planning on doing. We're definitely making significant steps towards what we hope to achieve for London. When we're talking about these kinds of huge projects that enable data fluidity, they take a lot of time, they're complex, because so many stakeholders need to be included, need to be informed. The One London project started in 2018. In 2020, 100 representatives of the public were included to share their opinions and expectations about what the shared care record should look like and what they expect from healthcare digitalization. But what was 
your experience throughout this time and process? To which extent were healthcare providers included in the process because the pandemic happened in between and even without the pandemic, uh, NHS or most healthcare systems at the moment are strained. Many clinicians could only deal what's directly in front of them. We know that there's ambulances waiting in front of hospitals because of all the challenges with waiting times and resources. How did do you see this whole digital transformation uh, process that was happening in the last four years and is ongoing? As you say, it, it's always challenging in the NHS very often, and the last few years have been no exception to that. But I think what it has done is also highlight some of the things that are really important to try and help us make life easier and to make sure that certain challenges don't happen again. And the actual connectivity and the sharing of healthcare information about patients is one of those things that has really come to the fore as an absolute priority, despite everything that we've been going through within the NHS. And I think that's both hospitals and GPs and community settings as well. And so I think although we are busy and we continue to be busy, it certainly makes you recognise that it's very important that those developments absolutely carry on underneath, and especially when it's highlighted as a priority to try and help prevent and manage things going forward so that we're never in the same situation again. It just really emphasises why it's needed. And I think that's what spurs us all on really as healthcare professionals is because we recognise the value that it has. And Phil and I, particularly as the leads, are, are very engaged in obviously trying to make sure that we drive things and lead from the front door on a clinical level, really. And we've obviously engaged widely and alongside the UCP team as well, have a huge network of engagements with all of the different people and personnel that you've mentioned across London. As you say, it's a really complex system with a vast number of stakeholders, which absolutely we've worked very hard to bring on board, gauge opinion and continuing to listen and involve them in the co-design and how we develop in the future. We're doing it with them, if that makes sense. That's what's so important about this programme. I think if we look at the wide shared care record, just sharing information between clinicians makes a big difference. As a GP, I will often see somebody who was maybe seen in the emergency department the previous night. Yeah, they've had various tests done through through the shared record. I can actually see those investigations, those results. Yeah, it actually saves quite a bit of time just understanding what's happened, who's looking after a patient, particularly as care becomes more and more fragmented. So, yeah, the shared care record gives us a basis of sharing key bits of information. The urgent care plan then allows us to yeah, share specific information, particularly around future planning, in a much better and structured way. So the two complement each other very nicely. What are your expectations about the further development and lessons learned from the urgent care planning process? So, how do you see that things are going to develop further in terms of new care plans? What is actually planned in terms of the continuation of this process? Especially, I'm curious to hear more about that from the role that you have as the clinical safety officer from London. So what are the implications of further care plans for clinical and patient safety? So I, I think there's quite there's a lot of potential, massive potential. But what we have to remember is that the technology is part of that journey. And actually looking at how we engage clinicians and transform care is, I think, yeah, A, much more important and B, probably harder 
the, the technology. So we need to make sure the technology is there as an enabler and that we actually yeah, build and bring clinicians with us. And from a patient safety perspective, being able to share information, make sure that we're looking at the most up-to-date version of a record and we're not just drowning in masses and masses of information that presented to us. Yeah, that I think is probably the next step. How do we make sure that we see the right information at the right time and not just too much information that you haven't got time to you know, properly assimilate? Yeah, I think just the whole data management process mm -hmm. with the rising amount of data is one of the future challenges for just healthcare digitalization, how to present the right information at the right time to the clinician that's taking care of the patient. What were some of the maybe responses or most challenging things that you saw in the whole process of from the feedback that you got from the clinicians that are now included and have access to urgent care plans and are in contact with the whole shared care planning process? I, th I think from my perspective, the initial challenge was one of, we haven't got time to do this. Whose responsibility is it? Do, yeah, do I have to do it? So I think that was the biggest initial Fear. But once we, we sat down and went through the process and actually yeah, explained how it worked, how different people can initiate care plans, how easy they are to update, yeah, that alleviated a lot of the a lot of the fears. So I think that was the big one of the challenges. And then the other I think is how this fits into a care pathway. And the urgent care plan will support different pathways in different areas. So within our practice we look after a large nursing home. There, the care plans are readily available, readily accessible, but also available to other people as they come in and look after the patients. And yeah, I think in that setting, it works incredibly well. Catherine, do you have anything in addition? Yeah, from an acute perspective, I think actually the clinicians have been quite excited by the UCP because it's the first time really, that plans have been a, a, available and accessible to everybody easily. And because the HIE and the connectivity that we now have, it's really straightforward and simple for our emergency departments to be able to look at plans where people present. It's really easy for our acute front door frailty teams and acute medical teams to be able to check because it's got a big red banner bar across the top. It's really obvious from looking at the front screen. You're not searching for the information or it, you, it hits you straight away. And I think convert, you know, from the other perspective, being in the hospital, it's actually been really good for some of our clinicians, like our geriatric colleagues who are really good and, and just do advanced care planning day in, day out as part of their normal role. Previously, there have been barriers and difficulties with them being able to actually upload the care plans themselves and to be able to share them. And now it's easy accessible and they can just do it straight away as part of their normal documentation and care for that patient and so actually there's been quite a lot of excitement in the acute hospitals I think and quite a lot of the different specialty teams then oh this is very good can I have a care plan can I have a template how would this work and they're immediately thinking ahead to think about what it may look like in the future and what opportunities are there here for us so I think overall it's been a really positive thing. So yeah, taking hold of that momentum and driving it forward is definitely part of what we're doing with the programme team. Maybe uh, 
a new era in the experiences with healthcare IT, which so far is mostly described as a burden to doctors, hard to access, too many logins, too many authorizations, too much bureaucracy, nothing works. I think the one thing which is very telling now is how much noise there is if for some reason the systems don't work, you know, particularly if the shared record is not available, that there's actually a lot of people, you know, making the noise about it. And for me, you know, that shows how important it is to them. You know, it's not something that happens very often, but if for whatever reason, yeah, it can't be accessed, then we know about it. And I think that just shows the dependence that we're developing on the IT systems and the need to make sure they are resilient and able to deliver. It's been a short time since the urgent care plan has been implemented. But do you already also see any differences in the way patients experience their care? Because oftentimes patients expect the information to be linked between care settings and they're surprised when it's not. So I don't know to which extent they won't necessarily notice the difference because things will be as they already expected them to be. Yes, I haven't seen any definite sort of data or evidence to to be able to answer that question. I guess what would I expect to see or what I would hope to see is that because of the improved accessibility and it would be much more likely that an emergency department would have seen a record or conversely that the GP would have had access to something. So I would hope that in the future we would just be able to see that sort of awareness of of the record being present and patient wishes being something that's then noticeably discussed and checked out with patients and their families when they come to the emergency department for instance we should be able to say to the family, oh, I can see that you've got an urgent care plan. I've just been having a read through. So hopefully we should be able to see that play out. I've not heard much back from patients, which I think is a good thing because it's meeting their expectations. I think the one area where we do get regular feedback is from the ambulance service when they've gone out to see patients and they've been able to access the urgent care plan and the differences that yeah, that makes. So I think feedback from other care professionals, yeah, particularly those in the urgent space, has been very positive. Um, so what are your expectations about the future development uh, and the implications that this whole development of how data is shared is going to have on your work and the work processes and the experience for the patients? I think we're really at the beginning of a journey. Yeah, we mentioned earlier about virtually all organisations now yeah, being digital. Yeah, so a lot of our processes within the NHS are, are computerised, but we're not very good at sharing information. So that often does uh, create a little bit of extra work for us. I think the Urgent Care Plan shows how we can take that forwards, how we can use structured data a lot better, and how we can start uh, sharing more and more information. And then I think the next step is uh, is giving patients access to that that information. So I'm involved in another project, which is about giving patients access to their GP record. And again, I see that as a first step on communicating better with patients and then getting more engagement from patients in their records. So I think we're on the beginning of a what may be a long journey. And I think it is ultimately going to improve yeah, A, the care of yeah, patients, 
but be also our working lives and make it easier for us to get the right information at the right time. I think, as Phil said, the patient access is absolutely vital so that they can obviously see and share their records. And I think the other thing that sort of excites me really is just the possibilities with the different templates, bringing up the different specialties on board, the frailty teams. As Phil said, we've had inquiries from several different strategic clinical networks across London now. And actually the promise and the future of what that holds, just it's really exciting. And actually that potential, who knows where it will end or lead to, but I just think it it promises to be a really good thing. And I think anything that allows patients and patients' wishes, families to be able to see their own care plans, to share their own care plans, and just to make sure that all the healthcare professionals have a similar core set of information to be able to manage somebody successfully in line with their wishes has got to be a good thing. Catherine, maybe just one question. Urgent care plans are not necessarily implemented everywhere, speaking generally in different countries. There has to be a cultural shift that the discussion is even opened up. Obviously, clinicians want them because it takes away some of the decision-making about what should happen to the patient if the patient has clear preferences. Do you perhaps remember the first urgent care plan that you came across or the patient that you were in contact with that had or didn't have the urgent care plan how you know the experience was different for you as a palliative care specialist i think within palliative care we obviously see lots of patients who who either do or don't have an urgent care plan if we received a new referral within our team we'd obviously have a look through the clinical notes that are on our internal system but part of our usual process is then to check for an urgent care plan to see if there's any wishes or records that have been shared before and what we can then do is go armed with as much information as we can when we then go and review that patient and sometimes it's that that the front door teams or the admitting teams for whatever reason haven't looked at or haven't fully taken on board the information within that plan and so it's really important for us as a specialist palliative care team to be, to then be able to go and say to the teams have you actually seen this plan have you checked this out with the patient have you asked them about it have you spoken to the family and be able to really use it to advocate for our patients because we've got that little bit more information and it's particularly important if someone's really unwell and they're not able to speak for themselves in the way that they usually would or a family member is distant or or elderly and not able to be in the hospital it just allows us to really take that step in advocating for their wishes and making sure that we're absolutely doing the right thing and that we've put together those sort of two aspects of what a patient wants and also the healthcare professional and opinion as well and actually the two need to come together to make the plan that you agree moving forward and it just allows us to do that sometimes where the patient's not able to vocalize it so For us, it's really important and really useful, especially when there's very engaged GPs, very engaged community specialist palliative care colleagues, or even heart failure nurses or respiratory nurses in the community, all of which will use and share information on the urgent care plan. And so you're able to just really get hold of those really important bits that you need to know to be able to manage that patient appropriately, even within the acute hospital. That's more or less all the questions that I have for you. So is there anything else that you would like to add about this whole project and the way it's going forward? From my perspective, yeah, there's really two aspects. 
Yeah, first of all, the team that have been involved in delivering this, yeah, as, as being fantastic and work to work together very well. And I think secondly is just the point I made earlier that yeah, this is about clinical transformation supported by technology. It's not primarily about the technology itself. And those are the key bits that yeah, I'd like to take away. I'd second that, as Phil says, that coordination, that working together, that cohesiveness, which the team have is just phenomenal, really. And their engagement with the incredibly broad stakeholder network is just second to none. And as Phil said before, I think that is the success of, of the system. That's part of what drives it forward. And hopefully we'll continue to give it that momentum as we move forward in delivering more of the One London <laughs> project mm. and more of the UCP programme. Maybe just one more question. I was just thinking that if there's another clinician or a team that's looking at digital transformation in other countries, what are maybe any of the lessons or advice that you would give to any city or just a region that's trying to go about a project like this? I think you've got to have two separate components. You've got to have yeah, the clinical team, a clinical network wanting to push forwards on the change management bit, and you need an overarching technical solution that will deliver that. And I think it's about bringing these two together. The problem is that often you have a, a strong clinical team without maybe the technology drive to yeah to set up the platform or alternatively yeah a great platform to deliver something but without the clinical pull and yeah bringing those together is really yeah, the magic in yeah certainly in in this project no guessing in many others you've been listening to faces of digital health the topic of today's episode is supported by better better is a provider of an open data digital health platform electronic prescribing and medication administration solution, and low-code tools that help you rapidly build applications that suit your needs. If you enjoyed the show, do leave a rating or a review wherever you get your podcast. And as mentioned, subscribe to our newsletter, which summarizes what has been presented on the show on a monthly basis. Stay tuned! Stay tuned!